Unity of Farmington Hills, a positive path for spiritual living. Lakes and ponds, they bleed of beauty and grace. And the rivers, they run wild like an endless race. The forest soars so high that fall to the sea.
us who we are in times like these. It makes us who we are in times like these. Wow, I like that song. It really makes you think, doesn't it? I love how um, Nicholas takes the time to really bring out songs that not only match the theme of what I'm speaking on, but bring, bring out what's going on. You know, it, it touches your heart, right? You know, right? Let's give him a hand, and let's give the group a hand. And Bernard, everybody. He went downstairs, but I'm sure he's going to hear me when he puts this on the, on the, on the website, so... I'm in a, uh, I'm in a very spiritual space. I, it, sometimes it overwhelms me, and so that's where I am right now. But I, I will start off with a little joke still. <laughs> I like my little jokes. They make me laugh. They may not make anyone else but laugh, but they make me laugh, and that's all that matters, right? <laughs> so I was listening to this story about these four Catholic old ladies who were very proud of their sons, and they were sharing bragging rights. And so the first lady said, you know, my son is a priest. And every time he walks in a the room, they call, him your fa- uh, they call him father. And uh, so the second lady said, well, I, I, I like that. My, my son is a cardinal. And when he walks in a the room, they call him your grace. Like, oh, that's nice. And so the third person said, well, my, my son is no, a bishop. And when he walks in a the room, they say, your eminence. And the fourth, the fourth mother was very, very proud. She said, you know what? My son is six foot three. He is incredibly handsome. He has broad shoulders. He dresses impeccably. When he walks in a room, the women go, oh, my God. <laughs> uh, and my son is handsome, so I can attest to that. <laughs> I thought that was so cute. <laughs> oh, man. And you know, it's a good feeling to be so proud of your kids that you can brag on them, right? Even when they're in the room, you're bragging on them. When my son came down to the, um, and uh, uh, I don't know if Roxanne and Michael were, saw, heard me, but when my son came down to Unity Village to watch me get ordained, I was bragging about him to everybody. He was just sitting there looking like, yeah, you know. But it was nice. It's, it's good. And, I, and Roxanne does that, too. She brags on her kids. And Michael does, too. And that's a good thing. Who else brags on your kids? Yeah. It's exciting. We participated in where they are, right? That's part of us up there doing their thing, right? So it's, it's an awesome space to be in. So I thought that was really cute. So this week, we are going to finish up the series, Make a Difference, and we have been discussing Isaiah 61, verses 1 to, through 2. And it's actually from the, let me just put this up there real quick. I keep pointing to that. It's actually from the verses on Luke, from the cha- Luke chapter 4, verses 18, 18 through 19. And we've been discussing 
where Jesus came in to the synagogue after he accepted his calling to ministry, and he read these scriptures from the book of Isaiah. And it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And we've gone through each one of these. We started off by discussing bringing the good news to the poor, and then we went into proclaiming release to the captives. And last week, we talked about recovery of sight to the blind. And this week, we're going to discuss let the oppressed go free. So let's go back to the scripture. I was looking at this over this week, and I was looking at the scripture that says recovery of sight to the blind. Now, last week we talked about recovery of sight to the blind, and we talked about how you move into seeing through the eyes of the heart as opposed to looking at the surface level of your situation. And when you see through the eyes of the heart, you're connected to God, you're connected to everything that is that's beyond what you can physically see. But when I looked at that again, I realized it says recovery of sight to the blind. And I thought, what about those who are born blind? You know, Jesus did heal people who were blind, and there was one person in particular who was blind, and they said, well, who sinned for him to be blind, the mother, the father? Because they believed then that there was a sin that caused some kind of issue in your life. And Jesus said it wasn't his mother, his mother or his father, and I'm ad-libbing it. He said it was so that God can be, God can be magnified, and then he healed the blind person. So I'm looking at this recovery of sight to the blind. If you're born blind, how do you have recovery of sight, right? And as I looked at that, I realized that when we are born in this world, we are born a clear slate, connected to all potential, connected to the Spirit of God. As a matter of fact, Charles Fillmore says that the Bible represents the conscious development of man from generation, which is your genesis, to degeneration, which is when we come into the consciousness of those feelings of insecurities, those things of looking, those times of looking at ourselves in a dark light when we move into spiritual darkness. In those moments, we've gone through degeneration. And then when we see things again through the eyes of Christ, through the truth of who we are, that's when we go back into regeneration. So recovery of sight to the blind is literally moving out, is, is literally moving out of the consciousness of what the world has taught us who we are and moving into the truth of who we are. Because when you're born and you're little, and you're enjoying yourself, you have this huge expression of who you are. And it's not until you hear no and don't and you can't and all of those things that you get, that gets bogged down upon you and you move into spiritual darkness into spiritual blindness. That is when you move into being feeling oppressed. And the truth is, spiritual blindness is not, it's not only the cause of the feeling of oppression, it's the feeling of lack consciousness that we talked about in the beginning of this series. 
You're seeing things from the wrong perspective, an error perspective. It is also what causes you to feel like you're a captive, that keeps you from living it big. We talked about how we walk through life living small because we're nervous about what other people are gonna say, criticism, ridicule, and all of those things. You think you this or whatever, and we're nervous to play it big and get into the arena and be who we truly are, be fully self-expressed, right? But what about those times when you feel overwhelmed? Everything seems to be coming down on you. And as you guys were singing, it, it hit me that even kids go through those feelings of feeling oppressed. When I was younger, I was bullied a lot. I hated going to school sometimes. I loved school because I loved learning, but I hated being teased. Every time I looked around, it would be somebody in particular who had something to tease me about, like being so little or whatever. Just wanted to bother me. And they bothered my sisters and brothers, too. It was interesting because I had it in me to fight for them. But I didn't really have it in me, to, in me to fight for me. I just let that oppression sit on me. And then you walk through life with all those feelings and all those thoughts and letting people ridicule you. And even moving yourself into an expression. I was working, I was remembering how at, one, at my job, I had this manager who just loved to just rag on me. And she ragged on everybody. We hated coming to work. Because especially if she was in an irritated space, she took it out on everybody. That's a feeling of oppression. Sometimes you hate going home when, when you live in a family where there's always ridicule and complain or your, your parents are on you or whatever all the time. Some people live in that type of life. It's a feeling of oppression. Sometimes it might be a spouse. Sometimes it's the children being that way towards the parents. Feelings of oppression. Anybody ever had a moment where you did not want to go around somebody because you knew they were going to say something to irritate you? And you'd be bogged down by their energy. Feelings of oppression. And when you're in those feelings of oppression, there's nowhere inside of you do you want to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. What favor is there? Seriously? There's no favor there, right? So I'm walking through this week, and I'm remembering those times that I experienced that. I'm remembering those times that I have friends around me who, who constantly, I'm like, why are you my friend? All you got to do is say something bad about me. And then I realized they were jealous of me because how intelligent I was, and they weren't, in their eyes, as intelligent. So that's their way of feeling better by downing me. That's a lot of what bullies do or what people do. They feel better by downing you. And we have some people, even in the big areas of the United States, who bully to make themselves feel better, who step on other people to make themselves feel better. It doesn't just stop in your family. It's all over. So Jesus gives us a way out of this because the truth is, you cannot feel oppressed unless you accept it on your own, choose to. That's just the, that's just the really, really of it. There have been people who have been in jail and taken that opportunity, instead of feeling oppressed by the situation, taking the opportunity to improve themselves, and then when they got out, they were a better person. And even if they didn't get out and they were in there for life, they took that opportunity to help other people who were going to be leaving because they let go of the feeling of oppression. It is a choice. And in this month of August, August represents will. It's your free will. It's your freedom to choose. 
right? So Jesus gives us a way out of this. And actually, it's connected to how he was. He says, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth shall what? Set you free. Now, there's a couple things in here that I saw. Jesus says that if you are his disciple, but Jesus was God's disciple. So as you are Jesus' disciple and you're following Jesus' teachings, which is what we do in unity, right? We use Jesus as our example. Jesus is our way shower, right? As a matter of fact, in the mission statement, the mission statement is that we are here to prove the truth that we discern in Christianity, which is taught by Jesus, the teachings of Jesus. We are here to help mankind to use and, and, and prove the teachings in their own lives. That's what we're here to do, of the master teacher, Jesus. Now, how did Jesus do this? I was looking at how he would, now he set himself up because he knew what his purpose was as the Messiah. He did all of those things of proclaiming and bringing the good news and all of that stuff, but his major, major example was to show us how to be when we are in experiences that seem to be oppressive. How did he do this? And how do we become his disciples? When he was put on trial wrongly, when he was beat, when he was abused, spit on, ridiculed, when he was rejected and betrayed by his own people, when a crown was put on his head of thorns, and Debbie gave me this tree that's called, what's the name of that tree, Debbie? Crown of Thorns, which was the actual tree that was used to make Jesus, the crown that was on his head. It has these thorns in it, and when it gets bigger, they are deep, they are thick, and they pierce, you know, the, the, on a rose bush, those thorns, they pierce in your head, and he's walking around with this on his head and then carrying a cross. This is oppression, is it not? But nowhere in his mind did he feel oppressed. Nowhere in his mind did he feel oppressed. And we know this because when he's up on the cross, he says, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. He came from the complete heart, eyes of the heart of spirit, connecting with those who did all that to him, looking down at them saying, I forgive you. We choose to feel oppressed unless we become disciples of Jesus. When you become a disciple of Jesus and you move into the consciousness of following Jesus' life, which he was a disciple of God, you develop a relationship with God that keeps you in peace no matter what is going on in your life. When I was going through, and I learned this when I was in, uh, working with that manager, I was like, what in the world did I do? I was getting attention, though. And anytime somebody there got any attention, she found a way to dig at them, to hurt their feelings, to shut them up. That was her way of doing it. That was her way of doing it. And it was interesting because anything you did wrong, she'd make it so big that the whole world, that the whole world would know. And she'd tell her supervisors and everything how in, uh, uh, what is the word? 
Incompetent you are, thank you. To the point where I was so nervous to go to work, I'd mess up because I was so nervous I was gonna mess up that I was doing a self-fulfilling prophecy. You ever been around that kind of thing where you're so worried to do something, you end up doing it? (laughs) And then I realized, you know what, God, I cannot handle this situation looking at it on the surface level. This is heck. I can't go through this like this. I have to shift. So I have to shift how I see her. Instead of shift, seeing her as the enemy, seeing her as the oppressor, I had to see her as a beautiful child of God. And when you see through those eyes, you start acting that way. So I treated her that way no matter what. And before I even would go there, I would pray, God, whatever it is in her heart that's getting her feeling irritated right now, I touch and agree with her that it is purified into joy. And then I acted that way towards her no matter how she was with me because I chose to see it differently. I chose to be differently. I chose not to be the victim that she was going to oppress. I chose to be the victor and walk in God's eyes, and I chose to step and see through the eyes of truth, and I chose to love no matter what, and I chose to be that example of love even when she treated me like crap, and it worked. And when people, you know, she's doing this, she's, and I would say, consider the source. You cannot expect her to be different than how she shows up, who she is in that moment. Insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different outcome. It is also looking at somebody who's being the same way and expecting them to be different. Unless they have some type of epiphany of their own or a miracle in their own consciousness, they will not change. Accept people for who they are. People say unconditional love. I say total acceptance love. There's no condition whatsoever in there. Whether there are no conditions or some conditions, I still say total acceptance love. That's how I see. And it shifts. When you shift how you feel, the situation shifts. I saw, I heard this story that's been sitting with me. Have you guys seen this, uh, that there's a new movie coming out called Brian uh, Banks about this football player who was wrongly accused when he was 16 of raping a a young lady? And he ended up uh, being put in jail for five years. He had this uh, lawyer who told him to take a no contest plea, and he was supposed to only do 90 days in jail and then be on probation, and it ended, up that it ended up being that he was in jail for five years and then five years on probation, but he did not do it. And he said when he was in jail going through all of that, he had no control, and it's like, that's oppression, right? You're 16 years old, all this stuff. You're in jail. You're all this legal stuff going on. You are being tried as an adult because somebody has accused you of taking them somewhere, dragging them somewhere, raping them, and it did not happen. It did not happen. She was nervous for her family to find out that she was being promiscuous, and so she blamed she. She created this story to take the light off her and then had the nerve her and her mother went and sued the the, the school for $1.5 million and won off a lie. And he's in jail while they're benefiting off this lie. Finally, the lady, the young lady did confess to him. After he got out of jail and everything, she confessed. And he became part of this program that helps people who are innocent to be exonerated. And he did get exonerated. But that testimony didn't count because she didn't sign it or anything. She just confessed it and he recorded it, but it didn't count. 
But the point is, can you imagine the 10 years that he experienced? That's oppression. Anytime you're worried or concerned or, or have a, if anytime you're worried or broken heart or resentment or unforgiveness, all of those things that are heavy on your heart is oppression. It's not just your outer circumstances, it's your inner circumstances. But anything dealing with your broken heart, feeling of a broken heart or feeling of unforgiveness or feeling of resentment or feeling of anger, any of those things you have chosen to put yourself in that situation. People don't choose, you can't make a person mad. A person chooses to be mad. In that situation, though, there's always the opportunity to see the truth in the situation. The moment that you step into seeing the truth, that's when you become a disciple of Jesus. The moment you decide to step in the truth and see it from a different perspective, that's when you've accepted and recovered your spiritual sight. The moment you've recovered and, 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 and stepped into your spiritual sight, then you will feel free and you'll walk free. You will feel free and then you walk free. There's a difference there. People can walk around in this world free and not feel free. You ever have a moment where you are free, but you don't feel free? You're choosing it. We are choosing to be self-inflicted uh, self oppression. We're choosing to walk in it. And I say, let us release it. Let us look at the situation from a higher perspective, from a higher perspective, a point of view. Let us look at what's going on in our situation. You still, everything comes from shifting your perspective. When you connect with God, and you have that relationship with God, no matter what you go through, you will be loved. There was this guy who was in jail, and he was beat by these guards all the time. And then he got released from jail, and he went back. And actually, he saw the guy who bothered him all, who bothered him all the time. And he stood in this guy's face and said, I have, the, I have the most important revenge I could ever have. I forgive you, and I love you. It released him from the situation. It released him from the hurt and the anger of being beat and bothered. It released him from feeling oppressed. That's what matters. You're not doing it for the other person. You're doing it for you. Does that make sense? So as we move into this space of freeing ourselves, we become beautiful expressions of God. We share love no matter what. We share love in, our, in ourselves first. That's why Jesus said, love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Because when you love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, you're loving you with all your heart, mind, and soul because you are one with God. And then when you see other people, you love them as you love yourself because you see there is no difference. There's no distinction between me and you because we are all expressions of God. Now, what else happens? You become that expression to other people. You go above and beyond to extend that love to other people and to the organizations that you're in. So I'm going to bring this home. I'm going to bring this to when I stepped into my installation with you guys. We've gone through all those areas in that scripture that block us from being connected to the Lord, to the year of the Lord's favor. We are a community of love and joy 
and we share that with people. We've had so many people who have come here from the first time, and when they felt the experience of us, they wanted to stay because they love that feeling. That's because we are unencumbered, and we are, we are, we are content, we are committed and intentionally moving towards being that expression of God that is our values, right? What's the top one? Are you those things when you walk into this space? Honestly. Are you those things when you walk out of this space? Honestly. Now in that, that means we work together as a team. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to be working together as a team to build this community through our affirmation. Yes, it takes our affirmation. And yes, it takes being in the space of being intentional. But it also takes moving those things out of the way so that you be the expression that falls into the place and alignment of the spiritual vibration that activates the law of attraction that we draw people into this space. And when all of us are vibing on the same spiritual light, We can't help but draw people. It's like flies to a light. They go. That's how I get flies out of my house. I turn off the lights and turn on the light. And and I turn off that light and I open up the door. And they go there near the screen and I open it up. Because they follow the light. Human beings are the same way. We follow the light because we are made of the light. And light attracts light. And light attracts light and love attracts love. So I say that to say, I want us to step up in this community. I want us to step up and go beyond what we're doing. We can do this. We can move past and beyond. Wherever it is that you can volunteer and contribute, do so. Because you know what? As you volunteer and contribute, the world will do the same for you. And you may not see it in here but you will see it pay itself forward how God chooses to. So those of you who come regularly, thank you. This is, a, this is a commitment to your spiritual growth with me. You're walking this with me. Thank you. And for those of you who are contributing of your time and your talents and your treasure, thank you. I appreciate that. We're doing this together. And those of you who are going above and beyond, thank you. We are doing this together, and I ask that we continue to do this together. I take this very seriously, this commitment that I've made to you guys, this covenant that I've made to you guys. I take this very seriously. And I follow God where God tells me to go. And I promise you, it takes sometimes a minute for me to say what God's telling me to say. And right now, I am saying there are different areas in this spiritual community that we can give of ourselves. And we have so much talent. Every time I meet one of you guys and I see how much talent we have in this place, it is so awesome. We have someone who used to work at the uh, Channel 7, Action News. It's like so many people, there are so many people here who are talented. I feel so blessed to be around so many talented people. To call you my spiritual home. And I ask you to step forth with me in whatever way there's different areas in this community that we can volunteer and give of your love, your time, your talent. And I promise you that what you got to share is gonna be awesomely embraced and welcomed here. 
And so I say that with you guys humbly. Humbly. Walking this with you guys. These things I go through too. I am working with them with you. I don't just get up here and talk. I promise you that. I say what I've gone through. When Jesus got up and, spoke and said this with authority, like he knew what he knew that he knew, I promise you when I say something up here, it's because I know it for myself. I know it for myself. And I'm committed to you guys. Whether you're committed to me as much as I am to you, I'm still committed to you guys. But I would love for us all to show up in every area and help those who have groups going and help in whatever way you can. And expand yourself past the territory where you are right now. Let's play it big. We ready to play it big together? Yes. All right. Let's do our affirmations and we'll, and we'll close it out. I know I've been preaching. Oh, we're ready to proclaim the year. Let's say this together. I am ready to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Yes? Yes. All right. I keep pointing down there. So let's do this top affirmation together. I am willing to release oppressive thoughts, feelings, words, and actions. Take a deep breath and breathe that in. That's a deep one. All right, let's affirm the sec next one. I choose to know the truth and to live the truth that I know. Does that sound familiar? One of those unity principles? The fifth unity principle, right? Let's say the next one. I commit to a deeper relationship with God. And then the last one. I choose to be fully self-expressed. These are powerful affirmations. But you got to work it with God. And I keep talking about that fourth unity principle because that is one of the most powerful things that I do in my life through my denials and affirmations. So you deny any thoughts that are oppressive. You deny the power of them. They're just thoughts. You deny what people say to you. Do not accept them. Thank you for sharing with a smile and walk on by. Walk on by. I love that. So I wanted to say it somehow. Thank you, God. <laughs> And when you do that and you realign, you come into a higher expression of the truth through your prayers and meditation. And then the fifth one is, I live the truth that I know. But you got to know the truth first by committing to God. Yes? 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 All righty. Thank you. Standing at a distance, we keep on waiting.
the world to change Now if we had the power To bring our neighbors home from war They would have never missed a Christmas No more ribbons on the door When you trust your television What you get is what you got Cause when they own the information Oh, they can bend it all they want That's why we're waiting Waiting on the world to change We keep on waiting 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 on the world to change It's not that we don't care We just know the fight ain't fair So we keep on waiting Waiting We're waiting on the world to change Farmington Hills You are an agent of change Jesus was an agent of change Our inspired youth are agents of change So I believe it's time we need to flip the script We are no longer waiting on the world to change No longer waiting on the world to change Change we 